We are in week two of our Stories from the Seats series. This is a series that is highly anticipated every year because we know that God's at work and our job is to join in the work that he's already doing. And there's no better way to see how that happens by, than by listening to how God is working out the story of someone else. It helps us identify how he's working in our life, and it also helps us think about how we could join in the story of God and other people. So Kristen Mayo is here this morning, and uh, Kristen is just a really, really cool person. She's pretty new to our Orchard Hill staff. She brings a ridiculous amount of uh, math skills to help us with our finances and accounting, which we're really thankful for. But even better, Kristen just brings a spirit of welcome and kindness and faith that um, just has added beautifully to our staff. So I'm really glad that you get to hear her story this morning. So Kristen, you ready to go? Yep. All right. Good morning. June 1982, my mom and dad, with my dad's extended family, had traveled out to Pennsylvania to watch my Uncle Chuck and Aunt Bonnie get married. My mother was eight months pregnant with me, and her doctor had cleared her to take this trip. On the day of the wedding, they were at a campground staying, and my mother's water broke. They went to the local hospital to check to see whether labor was progressing and whether they needed to induce her, and they chose not to. So they needed to find a way to get my mom back to Iowa. So they tried to put her on a plane, which of course they wouldn't let her on a plane because she was in labor. So the extended family decided that after the wedding, they would pack up and caravan back to Iowa and miss the Football Hall of Fame. I don't know how many times over the years I've heard the story of how I made my whole family miss the Football Hall of Fame. The only person I hope to make it up to someday is my father. On the way back, my great-grandma had a bet going when I was going to be born, my gender, and how much I was going to weigh. And every time my mom called her doctor on the way, they were in a different state, which the doctor had never experienced before. So they finally made it back to Iowa, and due to stress, my dad decided he was going to go play softball for a while why my mother was in labor. Yeah, stress. <laughs> so my mom's friend came and stayed with her until la labor had progressed to the point that she got my dad off the softball field to take my mom to the hospital. So they arrived at the hospital, and the doctor's face turned very pale. He said that I had infection in my lungs, and then they needed to perform an emergency C-section. So on June 12th, 1982, in the evening, four pounds, 11 ounces, a month early, I made my entrance. The pediatrician told them later afterwards, if they would have waited much longer, that the infection would have passed to my bloodstream and they would have lost me. God had a plan for me. I feel I had a wonderful childhood, surrounded by faith, family, and friends. We moved around a lot, the state of Iowa, as my dad worked for Hy-Vee, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom for my younger sister and myself. We didn't have much money, as we only had one car, which my mom used to pack my sister and I up early in the morning to take dad to work so we could have the car for the day. Those are the stories my mom tells me, 
what I remember from being young is being sung to at night, sledding, losing my first tooth, and my sister trying to fly off a chair. One of my favorite songs that my parents used to sing to me when I was younger was The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Later on in life, I would figure out how to build my own life on the rock with the firm foundation that my parents helped build. Halfway through kindergarten, my parents decided they were going to move back to Oskaloosa, where they were from, as my paternal grandfather had cancer again. I would later find out that my mom didn't want to go back to where she was from, but I loved being surrounded by my extended family. I have very fond memories of spending the nights at both sets of grandparents with the sights, sounds, and smells of their houses. I was blessed to have both sets of grandparents and extended family in the same town as I lived. As my mom grew up Baptist and my dad Presbyterian, they decided to find their own church as not to offend either side of the family. I don't know if any of you can relate to that kind of situation. So we joined Central United Methodist Church in Oskaloosa, where we were heavily involved in youth groups, Sunday school, VBS, chancel choir, and my parents served on boards. It was another brick in my firm foundation. My parents forced me to go to confirmation camp the summer before my eighth grade year, and I really didn't want to go. It was a sports-themed camp, and I am not into sports at all. And my best friend at the time didn't have to go. I will never forget that week, though. You see, I knew Jesus. I had known him my whole life, didn't know what life without him was. But I accepted him as my Lord and Savior that week. Thursday night of that week, they did a reenactment of the crucifixion with the sounds of the nails, guards yelling, and people up on crosses. I was blown away by the image of Jesus on the cross. If the God of the universe was willing to come down and die to save me, then I wanted to belong to him. I remember going up to the altar call afterwards, but it wasn't for me, it was for my mother. You see, my mother was diagnosed with MS, and she was in severe pain on a regular basis. As an eighth grade girl who didn't like to take risks, I knew I had to take this risk for my mom, and I went up and prayed that God would take away her pain. When I came home from camp that summer, I said, hey mom, I prayed for you. I prayed that God would take away your pain. And she told me that she actually had less pain than normal that week while I was gone. I got to experience the power of prayer, maybe not in the way that I expected, but the power of prayer. High school was full of singing. I loved to sing. I was in show choir, ensembles, solos, um, chorus, and chancel choir at church. I was never super great at it, but I felt like I belonged to something greater than myself when I was singing with others. The other fond memory I have of high school was having a bunch of friends over at our house on a regular basis. We had a Nintendo 64, a small pool, an endless supply of food and laughter. My parents provided a safe place for us to be teenagers, just to be ourselves. One of my favorite memories as a high school girl was taking long walks with my dad in the cemetery, which was close to our house. He would just let me talk and vent out my teenage heart 
with little to no judgment that I remember. As a high schooler, I just assumed everyone had this kind of relationship with their parents. As an adult, I realized what a gift my father gave me by taking the time to get to know who I was as a teenage girl. God blessed me with loving parents that gave me a firm faith rock to stand on, and I hope someday to bless my own children with the same thing. So, after graduating Val Victorian of my class, I thought I had my whole life figured out. I was going to go to UNI. I was going to get my BA and my MA in accounting. I was going to marry my high school sweetheart, and I was going to own my own CPA firm. Uh, God's plan and my plan were a little different, as only three out of the five things actually happened. Within the first month of being at UNI, my high school boyfriend dumped me, which was very devastating at the time, but it actually brought me to Orchard in the end. His best friend from high school, Matt Klein, had also gone to UNI, and Matt Klein, with his roommate Craig, attended Orchard, and they invited me to come along, and whenever I could bum a ride, I would go. I was amazed by this place, by the music, by the message, and the free food for college students. <laughs> I loved this place, and whenever I could bum a ride, since I didn't have a car, I would come. Freshman year also brought my best friend from college, Crystal Van Wyk. She happened to sit next to me in a humanities class, and we just hit it off. We had similar personalities and the same major at the time. She asked me to be her roommate the next year, and I, of course, said yes. We had so much fun in the dorms, being silly, having pillow fights in the hall, and studying at Perkins in the wee hours of the morning. We had some painful times in our, our friendship, but our, our time at college deepened our friendship, and we have each other's back now, no matter what. Sophomore year brought even more changes to my life as I started to attend basic and try online dating. Not sure those two things actually go together, but it was worth a try. <laughs> I decided to put my profile up on Match.com because it didn't cost anything, because I'm an accounting major, and I wasn't good at meeting people. My parents, of course, gave me the lecture of how it's dangerous to meet people through Match.com and you don't know who you're actually talking to, but I proceeded with caution. So after a while, I got an email from a Topher1723. He wanted to talk to me. All I knew about him was that his name was Chris, and he went to you and I. I, of course, couldn't email him back because I didn't pay for the thing. So I decided I'd see if there was a Topher1723 on the UNI email directory. And there was. So it belonged to a gentleman named Christopher Mayo. I decided that I was going to email him and try not to sound like a complete creep and see if he was interested in talking. So it happened to be the same person. Uh, he would later tell me that the only reason he signed up for a trial of Match.com is because he wanted to talk to me. I believe this was all orchestrated by God because I am not one to take risks. I'm very conservative. After a while, we decided we were going to have our first encounter at BASIC. He picked me up from the business school as I had a night class. I remember I had my um, roommate Crystal's pepper spray in my hand <laughs> almost the whole time. As you can never be too cautious when you're meeting someone. Now, if you know Christopher Mayo, 
you know that I was being way overly cautious. But I didn't know him at that time. So we had a good time at basic, and we decided we would continue to date. He was my ride to Orchard, as I still didn't have a car, and we attended Bible studies together. Chris suggested that we go on a mission trip together to God's Mountain in Missouri. There we became even more connected with people at Orchard. One of those people we got connected with was Becky Bartlett. She had a love for college students, and she just helped us get plugged in with lots of people. She was also very instrumental in helping Christopher find a job at the end of the year, as her husband, Luke Bartlett, hired him to be assistant manager at Papa Murphy's in Cedar Falls. Senior year, I lived with some girlfriends at the bottom of the hill. I spent lots of time with Christopher. Sometimes I questioned where our relationship was going, but I prayed that God would give us guidance and direction. We talked a lot about getting married, we looked at rings, and Christopher set up several fake proposals. Now, I don't recommend this, but this worked for Christopher in the end. (laughs) After basic one night in October, Christopher decided that we were going to read Bible verses together. We read verses about love and marriage and the characteristics of being a good wife, which, of course, he said I had. So when he was done, he proposed to me, and I I felt like God was asking me to marry him. So I did, and we got married on August 6, 2005, at the Methodist church where I grew up. It was a blessed day full of family and friends. Once we got back from the honeymoon, it was time to finish my master's degree, get my CPA license, and find a real job. We were wanting to stay in the Cedar Valley as we had a church home, Christopher had a job, and we had lots of friends. I thought, with nearly perfect grades, internship experience, a solid resume, and practicing interview questions, that this would be easy. But it was anything but easy. I went to more interviews than I could count, and I could never seem to get past the second interview. I felt very lost and rejected. I asked my professor for help. I asked my career advisor for help because I couldn't understand why I couldn't get a job. Their only thought was that maybe being married had put me at a disadvantage. I remembered crying out to God so many times. What do you want from me? What have I done wrong? I felt like such a failure. My whole life I had strived to do well in school and to do well in career, and I was failing at it at this time. It was April by this point, and Chris and I were starting to panic as we had to make a decision on our apartment. I got an interview in Marshtown at Fisher Controls, and they offered me the job. It wasn't a lot of money and didn't have anything to do with being a CPA. We chose to take the job because I didn't have another choice at the time. So Chris quit his job, and we moved to LaGrande, Iowa. My dream of staying in the Cedar Valley and being part of a CPA firm had been ruined. God had other plans. In May of 2006, I started working at Fisher Control, finding out what corporate accounting was like. My life revolved around the closing calendar, as the books had to be closed every month. Chris was without a job for almost a year. I appreciated the extra time we had together to take up tennis and um, visit relatives 
but the strain on our marriage and finances made me want him to have a job. In February of 2007, out of the blue, Luke Bartlett called Christopher and asked him if he would be willing to be the store manager in Waterloo. Christopher reluctantly said yes. So now I was in Marshtown, he was in Waterloo, and we had to find somewhere in between. We landed in Grundy Center. There, we got involved again with Orchard at their satellite location in the theater and bought a home. We then decided we wanted to start the Mayo family. In the midst of being pregnant with my first child, I also thought I needed a more challenging job at work, so I became a cost accountant in the factory, learning the costing system, budgeting, and how to present information to the bargaining unit. On February 24, 2009, our first daughter, Madison Elaine Mayo, joined our family. She was a wonderful sleeper from the beginning. <laughs> she and I spent lots of time together as her dad was working late, a lot of nights and weekends at Papa Murphy's. I remember singing the wise men song to her and remembering my own childhood of being sung to. God knew I needed her to be an easy baby as her first year of life brought lots of sickness for me. Within the first month of being back at Fisher, I caught mono and it took the doctors several months to figure out what was going on. They ran what felt like every test possible, and even after they figured out, they still couldn't figure out to help how to make me better. So they decided to take my tonsils out also to help me recover. As sad as I was that Madison was almost one, I was happy 2009 was over. A couple years later, we decided to add another, another bundle of joy to our family. Christopher was hoping for a boy, and I wanted another girl. I knew the joys of having a sister, a lifelong friend that was always there for you, no matter what. So, on October 19, 2011, Alexis Lee Mayo joined our family. She added a lot of excitement to our family, as she was not so great of a sleeper and was very boisterous in the middle of the night. This was a big adjustment for all of us. To add to the excitement of not sleeping, I decided I also needed another, a different, more challenging job at Fisher again. I feel like I had a baby and I had to have a different job. So two months after returning to work, I, I took a financial analyst job there. And I soon realized I was in over my head, trying to be a mom of two, a wife, and a dedicated worker. The financial analyst job required me to be responsible for forecasting financials, reporting headcount, and other corporate tasks. The boss of the department was very demanding and had very high expectations for those who worked for him. I was always striving for a thank you or you did a great job, but I could never earn those words no matter how hard I tried. My direct supervisor was good at giving those words, but she soon left for a different role. So I had to take some of her responsibility, and then I had to train my new supervisor, which happened to be from a different country, which brought its own set of challenges. I had finally hit a point where I felt underappreciated, and I thought the answer was to become a senior financial analyst. So I walked into the director's office and said, why am I not a senior? And he told me to prepare for a meeting. So I prepared, put my reasons together why I should be senior, how I had approved the department. 
I remember the morning of being very nervous as I wasn't one to speak up for myself. But then I heard the words, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I was blown away by these words as I hadn't read my Bible in a long time and I couldn't tell you even where in the Bible those verses were, but they were imprinted on my heart and God knew I needed to hear those words at that time. So I gave my reasons for promotion. The director agreed with some, tore holes in others, and in the end he told me that I wasn't worth mentoring unless I followed the path he wanted for my life. At first, this devastated me as I was always trying to win this man's approval. And then I remembered the words that God had imprinted on my heart that morning. I didn't care what this man thought of my life, but God was in control and he knew what was best for my life, not this man. So I received the promotion, which made me happy for about five minutes. As I was still tired of working, I was of working all day long and then being wife, mom, cook, maid at night and then working even more after my kids went to bed. I was messed up. I remember Madison crying to me because I was so stressed out. She said, I didn't want, uh, she said that all I want for you mom is to be happy. I didn't like who I was becoming anymore and I couldn't find my way out. So, in May of 2015, I saw a note in the bulletin that Orchard needed a finance person. I mentioned that I could do that to Chris in the middle of church, and he said, well, it probably wouldn't pay very much, and you might get bored in the end. But I decided to pursue it anyway, because the worst that could come of it was a conversation with people at church. So I had a great conversation with Pat and Dave, and I felt like I was meant to be here. They offered me the job, which was significantly less money than I was making. At the time, we were trying to save money as we both were going to need new cars in the future, near future, and we were trying to save money for a trip to Disneyland for our kids in the next couple years. Every time I thought about whether to take the job or not, I kept hearing over and over again the, the hymn, Trust and Obey. And I hadn't heard that song in a long time. I knew that it was God prompting me to take the job, but I just couldn't do it, so I turned it down. I was struggling again to, to get out of bed and I was very unhappy and continued to pray that God would help me find my way. In January of 2016, Chris and I were on a weekend trying to find a new car with a financial gift that we had been given unexpectedly. I remember getting an email from Pat saying that they still wanted me to work at Orchard if I was still willing to come. I told Chris that I felt like this financial gift that we had been given was to help alleviate my concerns with taking the job. I continued to hear over and over again, trust and obey in my heart. At the same time trying to decide all this, I had a health scare where I had a day where my eye was twitching and I was drooling out of the left side of my mouth. They took me to check to see if I had MS or if I was having a stroke, and luckily everything came back normal. But I knew stress was having an impact on my life. So with this health scare, lots of prayers and very wise words from my husband, 
I chose to take the job at Orchard. In April of 2016, I left almost 10 years of the business world behind to work at Orchard. This change in job gave me the opportunity to be more of a mom and wife than I had been in years. I have the opportunity to take my kids to school almost every day, and sometimes it's the best 15 minutes of my life. I'm taking time now to figure out who God created to me to be as a child of God. In God's time, in his own way, God answered my prayer I had almost 10 years later, where I get to be part of the Cedar Valley, not necessarily Cedar Falls, but Grundy Center, and be part of Orchard, not just as a member, but on mission and staff with these amazing people. I have one last thing to share. As I took the journey class this year, we talked about being a small piece of the puzzle, yet also being significant. I struggled with this concept as I felt like I wasn't significant because I was in the background just doing everyday life. I was trying to find a visual to help my mind and heart be okay with being small and significant. And I thought of this picture that my husband had made for me a long time ago. This picture is just made of dots. That's all they are. Some are more significant than other, but you have to have all the dots to have the picture. Each person, interaction, situation that I have encountered or will encounter in the future is having an impact is a dot on who God created me to be. Each of us has that same opportunity to be a dot, to be an impact on someone's life in our normal everyday lives with one another. We can use our lives to help next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless the broken world, even in the small everyday aspects of life. Thank you. Good job, Kristen. Um, when I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking about who's in the seats this morning, I think about um, you know all the would-be future moms and dads and all the moms and dads in the room right now and grandparents and the power of taking time, making time in your life to just listen to the people in your life, listen to your kids and um, just what a beautiful gift that is. So that's a great place where our story and your story connects. And then you know, for all those times in our life when we have a plan, and then God's plan is different and how hard it is to wait for, um, you know, for that story to play out. And I know that so many of us can relate to that. And then finally, just that idea of trusting and obeying, taking risks, even when we're not risk takers. So Kristen, thank you so much for your story. We're going to say a prayer and then we're going to continue to worship. So will you pray with me? God, thank you so much that you didn't... Uh, leave us here alone. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus so that we uh, might know you through him. Thank you for writing each one of our individual stories, but also bringing us together so we aren't just living our individual stories alone, that we can gather together, that we can know each other, that we can worship you and we can learn together, we can encourage and support each other. So would you help us to be really serious about that, to care deeply for each other as much as we care for you. And then, God, thank you that you are worthy of our worship, that you are more worthy than we can ever imagine. So would you help us now to know you 
uh, in a new way, to have eyes to see you in a way that maybe we've never seen you before, and just to take a step in faith. Would you now accept this worship that comes from our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.